the Education Apple, episode 17, recorded on June 18, 2013. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host for tonight, and this is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom. Uh, as also it uh, relates to our the classroom of our daily lives. There's a lot of uh, technology in the news these days, a lot of technology that we're dealing with day in and day out. So we discuss that and talk about how it may uh, help us in numerous ways. So uh, we will get kicked off here in just a minute. But before we do, wanted to introduce uh, our guest tonight, Barrett Mossbacker, and he is the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School, and he also publishes an online Christian school journal. And uh, Barrett, good to have you with us tonight. How you doing? Bill, I'm doing great, and as always, it's wonderful to be with you and our listeners. Great. Glad to have you with us today. And uh, myself, uh, as I said, this is Bill Brazil, and I am uh, a technology specialist and principal with EasyNet Solutions, uh, and I also work uh, with AT&T, and so have a pretty good background in technology. So we try to mesh uh, Barrett's educational background and my background in technology as we look at all the uh, technology that's in the news today and specifically Apple-related type technology. So with that introduction, we've got a lot to talk about as uh, last week was the um, kickoff to WWDC and uh, we had a lot of announcements uh, related to um, the plans that Apple will be introducing here in the next few months. So um, there's really more than we can talk about in an hour tonight, but we're going to focus on several areas um, of interest, and then we will address uh, some of the other areas that they talked about in the keynote speech uh, this past Monday, um, or last Monday, I guess it was, and uh, we'll deal with some of those issues throughout the summer. So uh, just to... um, get started then we're going to talk about the announcements in iOS 7 and um, some uh, thoughts and uh, questions and implications of the changes and updates that they're going to make to the iOS uh, for our uh, iPhones and iPads and we'll uh, see those hit the market I guess in um, uh, the fall time frame they didn't really tell us exactly when that was going to happen but uh, sometime in the fall, hopefully early fall, as opposed to later fall, because there was a lot of pretty exciting uh, announcements, and they're really changing a lot of things, not only the uh, look, which is a a major change, um, but also um, there are a number of feature enhancements and uh, modifications there as well. So um, overall, I was uh, real impressed, I think, I think a lot of people were. Um, for the most part, there, as always, is going to be some um, controversy involved in changes and um, moving on. I guess a lot of people just really don't like change, do they, do they Barrett? <laughs> that, that's been my experience, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, for the most part, I, I was pretty impressed. What did, what did you think just uh, at a high level? I tell you, at a real high level, I was very impressed, and I think I, – I hope they put to rest the notion that somehow Apple has lost its way. But the thing that I think impressed me beyond just the hardware and software announcements 
frankly, with their introductory video and then the one that they showed towards the end, that they really focused on what their primary mission and passion uh, is as a company. And I found it extraordinarily well done and, frankly, reassuring as someone who uh, likes Apple and likes their products. Right. Yeah, I, I really did uh, enjoy those videos as well. And, you know, they were extremely well done and, and again, kind of uh, emphasized the, the simplicity uh, factor that I think Apple really tries to focus on. Another thing, though, that I noticed uh, in, I believe, both of those videos, as well as uh, some new commercials that they've got running on TV now, but uh, you noticed what they've done with their uh, byline at the end of the uh, the video and commercial is, um, I think it says, uh, Apple made in California or something, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. related to that, and I thought that's... Uh, you know, a little bit maybe a result or a um, uh, message back to Washington uh, <laughs> and some, oh, yeah. <laughs> of the, some of the scrutiny they've received lately uh, from the government. But, you know, the, the Apple still is a uh, an American company, whether, you know, there's a lot that's uh, done offshore. But uh, I think they're emphasizing that point as well. Uh, and that was that, that message came out pretty loud and clear to me um, as I was watching those videos. But, yeah, those were pretty neat. I I really think they did a great job with those. But um, in some specifics, you know, there was a lot of talk about um, how the design and the look of the new operating system was going to be simplified and flattened and, um, uh, you know, it was going to be look a lot different than the current uh, iOS. And, And that is true. Uh, but I think, you know, the the flat, uh, to me, the, the use of the term flat is kind of a misnomer because um, what they really showed was, was the layering technology that and the layering architecture that they're putting into the software. And I think they are, you know, emphasizing how the, the software and the hardware is going to work together to be more of a, a vital experience that feels a lot more human. And uh, I thought that was really um, not not surprising, but you know, I really hadn't known exactly what to um, expect. But I think the the element of the flat flatness uh, is really not what it is. I mean, I think that's uh, not a very good term to describe what they're uh, what they're really putting together. Yeah, I, I would agree. The Windows Metro is flat. Uh, as in a sheet of paper laying on a desktop or something. Yeah. Uh, this was much more beautifully designed in multidimensional 3D, uh, I believe is the way you'd refer to it. <clears throat> and uh, so it's it's they got rid of stitching and green felt, perhaps, but mm-hmm. it's not flat. No, no. And you know, one of the first thing that jumps out to kind of um, exemplify that was the uh, the use of that the parallax effect that they were talking about, where. Um, you have on your home screen, you can have a, a desktop or a background, but then that's really separate from the icons laying on top of it. So when you move it a little bit, you actually see the um, top layer and the bottom layer move at uh, a different ratio, a different proportion. So it really gives you that 3D effect. And um, I thought that was really, really neat how that um, what has been employed and is going to be employed for the new new desktop. But yeah, there's really a sense, Bill, in which there's a, a, a kind of a beautiful and very functional functional synergy between the hardware and the software, so that they more and more begin to function as one rather than, than one rather than one containing the other. 
Right. Exactly. So um, I don't know if you saw somebody uh, that's that's gotten a hold of the beta versions. They've actually um, played with that parallax effect some, somewhat where they've taken a um, a, a panorama picture and use that as a desktop and that really <laughs> emphasizes the movement because they have such a big uh, background that uh, can move and, and, uh, and don't you think bill that would have application to gaming uh, to game applications it could sure um i would think so but i mean the, the biggest uh part of it is just how it really is it really um uh, makes the the layering effects jump out and you can really see the differences um there so i would i would expect that that's going to uh be utilized in a number of different ways as people start to get their hands on it and and uh develop some additional applications but um that along with the the transparency element uh which you know is part of that layering aspect and i think one of the things one of the ways that that has uh been uh, displayed so far is with the uh, the system keyboard. I think the keyboard now is uh, a little bit translucent or, or has some uh, transparency to it so that you can see what's behind it. So that gives you an idea, a little bit of a hint of what's underneath and um, you're able to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit more because you understand what it's covering up and um so so the system keyboard uh, displays that transparency and i imagine a number of other elements um will as well but uh, that's another piece of of the uh, the interface that's really jumping out on that and then the use of uh, motion was another piece of it and i think they're using animations and and gestures a lot more to convey um basic information and Again, how the hardware and the software work together, and it's more natural to to u- utilize and use it um, in in your everyday experience. So um, those were were pretty interesting how how those three elements work together. And um, part of that motion piece also is how the icons now are. Um, interacting more with the user and there's more zoom effects I think when you tap on the, the icons and they zoom in and out and um, um, again you know just giving more of an interactive feel to uh, to the interface so I thought that was was pretty interesting the um, the multitasking was a big uh, was highlighted pretty heavily and uh, that multitasking tray that we've kind of gotten used to uh, at the bottom of the, the iPhone screen is gone now. That's that's going to go away, and it's going to be more of a swipeable gallery, I guess you could say, and um, it's going to be more of the application, a bigger uh, view of the application as you swipe through what's running in the background and um, give uh, the user a better idea of of what they're moving to and um you know you know you you know bill in that regard it's reminiscent a little bit of of, uh how safari works on the desktop you know if you do a two-finger uh pinch uh, i guess it is with the tabs uh it kind of gets those multi those full page multi-panel uh displays of each of your web page open that you can swipe through and it's it's very similar to that yeah yeah i think you're right and um 
yeah, it definitely gives you more of a of a sense of what's running in the background and and what you can um, move to. You know, they've also had the uh, I forget what it's called, but one of the views into the Finder and and the way um, I guess music has been displayed in iTunes a little bit has been a similar type thing to where you kind of uh, swipe back and forth and you see either the cover graphics mm-hmm. or uh, that type of thing. Cover flow, is that what they Yeah, were? yeah, cover yeah, flow yeah. is what yeah. that was. So, um, yeah, again, just uh, a little bit more of a of a uh, view into what's really going on. So um, that all seems like that's going to gonna be a nice uh, interface to work with once that uh, hits, hits our phones. So um, there was some new functionality that uh, had been added, and, you know, that was kind of a controversial uh, subject uh, ahead of time. People were worried that the whole change to the new uh, operating system was just going to be kind of the look of what was going on and not really much new functionality. But I think they kind of squelched that a bit when they uh, displayed a number of the uh, features that, the operating system is going to have, and the first one was that notification center and how it's really been enhanced with um, three different tabs that I uh, think they're going to be uh, a today tab, an all tab, and a missed tab. So uh, the notification center is going to be much more informative, uh, and I guess the today tab will be a better view of of your schedule and and what um, you've got coming up for um, the events of the day. And I didn't look real close at that. I don't know if you did, Barrett, but, um, you know, there's a lot of work being done and other applications that that are trying to basically, um, you know, schedule out your day for you and anticipate what you've got coming up. And I don't know if if this is going to, try to do that same functionality or not but um you know there's there's potential there for that anyway and uh, we'll have to see how how they put that together did you get a a a very good feel of how that's going to work in notification center no not not really i mean i saw the the demos but it's a little hard to figure out exactly how that will function uh although i did think it represented positive enhancements to the extent that i could figure out what was actually going to happen i don't think until we actually see it how the today function is going to work uh, it, it seems like it's is trying to move in the general direction if i understand this correctly like google now right. more but not mm-hmm. quite as robust as that appears to be at the moment right right yeah i i think you're right and i um you know it it could get there at some point in time, but I do believe uh, the Google Now is is taking it a little bit further. But um, we'll see. It, you know, time will tell once we get our hands on it and see how they um, develop that. But there's certainly the potential there, uh, and that would be the place they would probably do that. But the uh, the control center is another area that um, really caught my eye, and I think that's going to be real uh, a, a real benefit. Uh, how they've um, uh, modified that and, and given it um, a lot of options to be able to control your airplane mode and your Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, do not disturb buttons and orientation lock. So those will be real accessible. And I believe that um, to, to uh, get the control center 
on the screen. That was like a swipe up from the bottom, yeah. isn't that right? So Yeah, it was. And I tell you, that was a feature that people were calling for for quite some time. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> I'm personally am just delighted to see that happen, to save all of those drilling down into those menus and settings to, to access those features. Right. And uh, some of those features, I think, are going to be accessible via Siri as well. I think you're mm-hmm. going to be able to turn on and off your Wi-Fi and your Bluetooth uh, and maybe even airplane mode just by telling Siri to, you know, turn on my Wi-Fi or turn on my Bluetooth, that type of thing. So there's going to be some, uh, some other ways to, to enable that as well, um, through, through Siri. And then that, uh, brightness slider and the mm-hmm. playback controls for, for audio. Uh, and then the airdrop, that was a big, um, an eye opener. I think that might have some surprised some people that, uh, airdrop is going to be, um, on the iOS now. So, well, and, and Bill, if I might interject there, as far as the school is concerned, in the educational setting, that's going to be uh, fantastic with all of the students with their iPads and the teacher with an iPad and a Mac. Uh, it's going to make the transfer of files even easier. Right. And, you know, they didn't really say, at least I didn't catch it, um, a whole lot about how files were going to be organized uh in ios 7 mm-hmm. but um you know they're gonna if they're gonna enable that they're gonna have to give a better view into uh file management on the uh, iphone wouldn't you think well you know but i hadn't thought about that but you're right because how else can you locate the file in order to transfer it if you're looking for something to share with others i exactly. think you're right yeah. yeah so obviously they'll have an airdrop folder but maybe they'll uh, enable some some more uh drilling down into the file system on the iphone and the ipad so that might be cracking the door a little bit to be able to to get our hands on uh more of the file system uh on on the iphone so we'll have to see how they do that but they didn't really display that they talked a lot about you know the i i mean the airdrop capability but they didn't get into any details around that. So, um, and then let's see, AirPlay was a, a button on that control center, as well as the uh, the bottom had several buttons for uh, the clock and the calculator and the camera. And then flashlight was on there. So mm-hmm. um, they've added a, a flashlight of their own feature to. <laughs> There the goes one more app system. I get to delete. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, you know, the other thought I had was, are they going to make those customizable to where we can select what uh, what is placed down there? So um, we will uh, have to look at that a little closer once we can get our hands on it. But um, I think that's going to be a real uh, you know valuable feature to have and uh, be utilized a whole lot there. So um, that build do, do you. Bill, do you think they'll uh, allow some of their icons to serve more like widgets a bit more, such as the uh, weather app to show the current temperature on it and things of that nature, uh, more similar, I guess, to what a- a- some of the Android uh, applications will do? Uh, yeah, it could be. Are you thinking of um, being able to use those or, or, or plug those into some of those areas, or what, how are you thinking? Well, that? yeah, yeah. as I understand it, on some Android devices, you, you – in effect have widgets and you can uh, place those widgets on your home screen customize it in effect so that you have real-time immediate access to certain things yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised i don't know well it's possible now uh we mentioned siri a minute ago um but they did make have made some changes to siri uh, and i think one of the the 
first things you notice is they've gonna they're gonna have um, a couple of different voices. You know, they have they've had the one voice, and I guess they've uh, gotten tired of people questioning whether it was a a male or a female or or whatever, because they never would really say. But uh, they have come out with a male and a female voice, and I think they're um, more natural sounding voices, so that will be uh, good and uh, easier to work with maybe. Um, and then they've got some uh, visual enhancements to where they have the sound wave animation. And, um, you know, I, I think they, they've taken a few uh, lessons from, from Google Voice on that one, um, uh, the, the Google search feature. Uh, but they still, I don't think they're going to have the same type of, uh, of uh, visual where, you know, Google actually prints out what you're saying. So mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. see that there, but that's not a big deal. No. But, um, um, you know, I, I think they're trying to um, enhance Siri to, to be a little more um, functional and, and interesting to work with. But um, they've also added some uh, data providers with Wikipedia and Twitter to go along with um, what the, the uh, what is it Alpha Wolfram that they yeah, use yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've got they've got these new providers as well as their their search capability. The web search piece is going to be provided um, through Bing, and that might surprise a few people. I'm I'm sure. Uh, Microsoft is happy about that, but um, it's not that surprising since uh, they're again they're not real uh, big friends or real happy with uh, Google. So um, you know I, I hope that's going to work out that, that Bing is going to be a good provider for web searches, but uh, uh, Google obviously has got the the stronghold there. Bing is trying to make some headway. Um, well, you, you know, I've got mixed feelings on that one. Yeah. Um, I certainly understand why uh, Apple would do that. Uh, and the advantage to Microsoft, of course, is whereas a lot of people, Bing is probably barely on their radar, all of a sudden it's going to become front and center for millions of people. Um, and I think competition is good. And so to make Bing stronger in some ways is, is good for everybody ultimately. Uh, my only concern is I hope it's not a, a, a Google Maps, Apple Maps kind of situation where people are very disappointed because the results and the bottom line outcome is not as good. Right. And uh, that that would probably be my concern. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's uh, going to put the pressure on on Microsoft to be able to really deliver and um, you know do a do a good job with that. I don't know if you've seen they've got a, a Bing and Microsoft uh, are running a commercial right now that. Uh, highlights how in their testing and some of their comparisons and all how Bing uh, mm-hmm. comes out ahead and is faster and and better. Of course, I'm sure they can uh, can uh, slant that any way they want to, but um, you know it it may be a pretty good service. I've just never really um, had the need to go there and uh, utilize it much, but I, I hope. Uh, I hope it does a good job, and, and they will definitely get, <laughs> get well, a lot of people. Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, they're going to get a lot of people using it. So, Yeah. Um, another thing I was going to point out is uh, I thought was um, of interest was the the icon anomalies that uh, were, were seen through the demo, and there was a lot of chatter about that after uh, the presentations, how uh, there was a, a good bit of time spent on how the icons, uh, the application icons were were changing and a whole new look and even how 
the icon face itself had a number of different regions, and it was, um, you know, I think they had a little map drawn up how uh, people creating icons were supposed to use the different areas of the icon. And so, um, you know, it was broken down pretty specifically how the icon, the new icons were supposed to um, be uh, created. But their own icons showed a lot of different differences between the, the different ones. Some of them had uh, gradients from top to bottom. Others were from bottom to top. To top. Other were, others were pure white. Other were, others were pure black uh, backgrounds. And um, <laughs> there was a lot of differences between the uh, the different icons. Um, and uh, I think I think what they the way they've uh, explain that is different groups created different ones of the icons and they were given some basics to work from but um, I think all that's going to be trued up before the the you know general release of the operating system and I would imagine they're all going to be uh, very similar from that standpoint um, when they when they finally get all that hammered out. But did you notice that, Barrett? I think that was... Well, I, I did. I think... Yeah, I did. I think the understanding was that they had their marketing departments basically work on the icons, as I understand it. Right. But, but you know, uh, I got two reactions to that a little bit. One is, boy, what a first-world problem, right, to yeah. the design of the icons on your smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but secondly, you know, if you take another quick look at your current uh, iOS 6... You know, there's a lot of the icons that just have no seeming coherence from one to the other on the application. So I don't know how much they're going to uh, address the incongruity or not, uh, as such or not. Yeah. Well, um, I would think that with as much emphasis has been placed on the new look that, that they will pull that together. I don't know that that has ever been really scrutinized in the past mm-hmm. very much because there wasn't a lot of emphasis on that. But now I think uh, that that is changing. So I would I would be um, surprised if that didn't cleaned up and, um, uh, you know, fix, so to, so to speak, before the final release. But you're right. I mean, um, <laughs> that that is something that, that Apple has created uh, for itself, you know, as far as the scrutiny is concerned is, you know, with their attention to detail and mm-hmm. um, how uh, uh, precise everything is getting to be, uh, you know, they just kind of have brought that on themselves. But I think it also probably is a little peek into how they are frantically working behind the scenes to to pull this whole thing together. And, uh, you know, we've heard stories about uh, pulling people off of the um, the desktop operating system upgrades to really focus on uh, iOS 7. So um, I, yeah, I think that's really happening too. Yeah, and I, I would – my guess is, Bill, that, that uh, Johnny Ives has not gotten to everything yet completely. Sure. And uh, so uh, I, I think it's probably a work in process, uh, and uh, we'll see some changes by the time fall gets here. I just hope it's early fall, not late fall. Exactly. Yep, I agree. I agree. Was there anything else uh, that kind of jumped out at you I didn't cover, Barrett, that um, uh, caught your attention? Uh, Just one other item, uh, not so much software-related, I don't believe, as hardware-related, was the much faster Wi-Fi capabilities. Um, Is that just a Mac issue, or will that also affect uh, the uh, iOS devices? 
Well, are you talking about the uh, the new protocol, the Wi-Fi yeah, is protocol? Yeah, it was at, uh, what is it, uh, AC is the last two yeah. letters of it, I think it is? Right, right, I believe that's correct. I haven't looked at the specs on that real closely, um, but just like everything else, it's getting faster and, and more efficient, and, um, you know, they're going to take advantage of it as they can. But what that also means is that you've got to have the... Uh, that same capability on your router and, and upgrade your um, equipment that, that it connects with, the Wi-Fi routers and uh, access points. So um, I think that'll be definitely something to, to move towards and, and, and work with. But um, It's going to take a number of years before it shows up in our local coffee shop, in other words. Uh, yeah, probably. It ain't going to be there day one because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be number one priority on those guys' yep. list. But uh, here at the home, that's something we can uh, experiment with and try out. I haven't, um, I have not worked with my own routers in a while. I've got the the N generation, which I guess is the the fastest up until this new uh, Wi-Fi protocol. So um, it might be time to to upgrade when that comes out and we get that uh, hardware in our hands. But well, maybe you can explain this to me offline, but uh, I've got AT&T U-verse, which is, serves as my router, mm-hmm. and so I'm not using an Airport Extreme, which I'd rather use. Uh, so I don't know if those two things can be uh, used together effectively or not, but uh, that's probably for an offline or another show. So yeah, yeah, I imagine it could be. It's just a matter of uh, configuring it all correctly, but um, yeah, something to to consider down the road. So. All right, well, let's uh, move on to a few other topics, and we'll get back to um, a couple of other things related to the um, the announcements last Monday, uh, specifically around iWork and a few other comments. But as I mentioned at the beginning, um, there was really more to digest than, than one show can really allow for. So we want to touch on a few other topics that are a bit related. Um but are uh, off of the uh, actual announcements themselves, and uh, we'll save a few of these other areas uh, for future future uh, podcasts. But uh, moving on to a couple of other things that I noticed in the news this past week, and the first one was um, with uh, uh, FaceTime audio. Uh, it's bringing VoIP calling into the regular everyday smartphone use, and of course we've had. FaceTime uh, as part of the uh, iOS for a a good while, but um, they are going to be introducing a feature that's just uh, audio only. And, of course, um, (laughs) we're still, I think at times we're still kind of uh, averse to actually seeing the other person uh, on the other end of a call. Or uh, I know when we do our podcast, we turn off the uh, video piece just because it's can be distracting and there's really not a whole lot of uh, extra benefit to doing that so um, I think FaceTime uh, has recognized that that might be something that uh, people would uh, take advantage of as well so um, they're kind of coming in uh, or, or, or adding a feature that's going to be a bit Skype like and um, it, it really just uh, what it is 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 allowing for uh, VoIP or voice over IP uh, to be um, introduced to the masses, and um, it's got a number of implications. I think um, I think uh, it, it will 
benefit the voice quality of of many calls. You know, we we talked a few episodes back, Barrett, about how uh, AT&T has announced that they're going to introduce, I think, HD calls um, sometime later this year, which that's basically what this is. This is, um, you know, bypassing the uh, voice network and utilizing the data network to transmit um, higher quality audio. So um, that's, that's what this FaceTime feature is going to provide. But it also, um, uh, you know, is going to bypass um, talk time and, and uh, uh, voice minutes for the carriers. So mm-hmm. it's going to be similar to iMessage, what iMessage did when it was uh, introduced. It kind of bypassed, um, you know, the, the carriers used to charge for a number of messages or whatever, and iMessage really did an end around uh, the carriers and, and um, uh, enabling that to um, really reduce the number of messages that were transmitted uh, over over the carrier network. So this is kind of a similar type approach or a similar type offering um, for voice type calls. So um, I don't know how the carriers are going to react or respond um, to this other than Something I saw from AT&T uh, and just in the last couple of days that really doesn't make sense to me. But they're, they've said now, I know AT&T has said that uh, they're going to allow, I think they said FaceTime calls over any um, unlimited uh Data package. Did you did you see that? Or did you notice? Yeah, that? I, I did, but I wasn't sure about the details because I'm wondering the same thing you probably are: is the effect on the carriers, of course, right. uh, and how that affects the data plans. Uh, and one of the things I'm thinking of in terms of the school is what a great way to be able to communicate instantly to pretty much any student or staff member, since everyone will have a Mac, an iPad, or an iPhone, and um, that that creates pretty rapid, quick communications in, in many respects without uh, uh, knowing everyone's phone numbers necessarily. Right, right. Yeah, and the other thing was I was wondering if um, they're going to have uh, the capability to basically do a, a FaceTime message um, if they can't get a hold of the person where they could leave it similar to the way you can leave, leave a voice message now. Mm-hmm. Would they have that capability built in as well? But um you know, it, it does bring up a lot of questions, and it'll be interesting to see how they actually roll it out. Um, but, um, you know, I think uh, that'll have a lot of implications down the road, and um, I, I like it. I mean, I think it'll be um, even more um, uh, utilized than, than FaceTime today, you know, since you will have the the audio only uh, capability and i think people are just a little more comfortable with that still at least that's what um oh i would i would agree yeah is. yeah so. uh, you might have your pajamas on and not necessarily feel like having a facetime with someone so <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yep. and then and then the other little announcement that i noticed was uh skype is introducing uh video messaging so we got <laughs> we got all kinds of different messaging uh, introductions going on there. Um, so that's something new that, that Skype is going to, uh, allow. And I do think that is, uh, the type of thing where you can record a, a message or a video message and leave it for somebody, um, when they, you know, aren't available on the other end. So, 
Um, just uh, more to, I don't know if it, it complicates the uh, the issues or the, the matter, but uh, it definitely gives you a lot of different options for for uh, communicating with people now. It's almost getting complicated trying to figure out what tool to use for what people. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, you got a lot to choose from. So, um, but you know, in trying to keep with the message of simplicity, I think the the trick is uh, trying to minimize those uh, options that you utilize, and then um, you know, focus on those because um, you know it's just easy to get overwhelmed by all that's out there and. Uh, if we're not careful, we're spinning our wheels trying mm-hmm. to uh, to get something done. But so um, that was uh, the FaceTime uh, news. And then um, another thing that jumped out at me uh, this week was a service that I've mentioned uh, a good bit. And I don't know if you've really used it much or not, but it's the uh, the Waze um, uh, travel. Uh, application and Waze provides um, turn-by-turn navigation and it's a real slick application that um, has just been a third-party application you know most of the the or a lot of the travel applications that have been available are from pretty big name uh, companies and you know if not Google and Apple you've got the the TomTom and uh, um, other big name navigational uh companies out there but Waze has been one of those that um, has kind of taken a bit of a different approach to the whole navigation landscape and um, they are more of a community-based service and use uh, crowdsourcing for uh, traffic information real-time traffic information uh, and uh, road information to keep their maps up to date and I think it's really worked well I've I've had very few uh, issues with it, and as time has gone on, it just keeps getting better and better. And um, I've, I don't travel a whole lot, but uh, the times that I do, I've, I really rely on ways, and it's um, helped me um, tremendously. Just <laughs> this past, uh, I guess Saturday, I uh, went over to Atlanta, went to a Braves game, and um, uh, of course I knew my way around. I know my way around Atlanta pretty well, but I, I was needing to get on the interstate uh, in a certain area that I wasn't familiar with. So I just flipped it on, and it gave me the five turns that I needed to make real quick and easy, and uh, I was right where I needed to be. So, um, you know, it, it does a great job. But um, the thing that I noticed this week was that Google has purchased Waze. So that kind of disappointed me a little bit. Um, not sure what that means for for the little Waze application down the road, but um, what they've said, of course, I guess this is what they always say is, you know, we're not going to um, see any immediate uh, changes there, and um, you know, they're going to operate separately as a separate in- entity for a while, however long that means. Uh, don't know, but I think. You know what we'll really be seeing is that that Google Maps is going to start pulling in some of those uh, uh, crowdsourcing features uh, into Google Maps, and and that will uh, become part of that application. And eventually, Waze will drop by the wayside, and uh, it'll no longer exist. But as long as uh, those features are pulled into Google Maps effectively and efficiently, I mean that's. That's the main main thing, I guess. So, 
Well, it's pretty obvious that Google's not sitting uh, idle as uh, as Apple's trying to develop its mapping uh, software. No. Uh, they're, if anything, it seems like they've accelerated their development uh, for the purpose of staying ahead and maybe even pulling ahead uh, further. So. Yeah, probably so, probably so. But I'm sure they saw, and I, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple was trying to acquire them as well because um, they, like I say, I have not really seen – uh, some of the features that, that Waze has offered and, uh, they've really been creative. Another thing that they've, uh, they put into their application was community shared gas prices. So you, you could, um, utilize their information to find, uh, you know, the cheapest gas in the area that you're, you're in. So, um, and I've even had times where I'm driving down the road and it'll tell me, you know, object, uh, in the roadway, you know, half a mile down, that type of thing. And sure enough, um, you know, there'll be a, a tire or something in the road. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, just, just real uh, helpful information not to um, leave out the the police sightings and that type of information. So, um, you know, they really have a, a good handle on, on uh, the traveling experience. And I, I just hope we see Google pulling that in uh, to their application soon, so um, so that uh, that was what I saw related to ways. Have you ever used that application, Barrett? Or uh, no, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you almost convinced me to do so, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. it's a little bit late, but uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently, I think you'd be uh, surprised. And uh, you know, it, like I say, it is pretty helpful uh, information. But uh, okay, so um, another. Uh, Topic that uh, we didn't talk about as far as the uh, uh, keynote was concerned, but uh, Apple introduced and, and kind of gave us a peek into the long-awaited up, update, upgrade to the Mac Pro, and uh, I think it was a pretty eye-opening uh, introduction. It was uh, I really liked how they uh, introduced uh, the new design and. It's much different. If you didn't see it, it's uh, not your uh, typical desktop or under your desk computer or what we're used to. It's uh, uh, kind of a cylinder, and they've figured out a way to pack all of the the uh, the processing boards and the memory and the storage and everything into a cylinder. And so they were showing. And of course, it's very sleek and it looks real um, high tech and and uh, uh, kind of space age, I guess you could say. But uh, the way they did it was they were showing some real close um, video of it um, and moving all around it, and you finally got the sense that it was a, a cylinder. And then um, and then after they they pretty much gave you the, the view of what it really looked like overall, then they showed it up against or right next to uh, an older version of the Mac Pro, and it's about a third the size in terms of the height, and it's just really compact. And uh, I thought that was, you know, a, a shocking feature of it because you see this thing, and you think with all the features and all the power and everything packed into it, it's got to be a, a sizable um, device, but it's really not. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's going to definitely be a um, one of those devices, one of those uh, systems that people are going to drool over that um, really want and need and, and demand uh, 
pretty heavy duty computing uh, power. Or who who want but don't need. <laughs> right. Yeah, that too. That, I probably fall into that category. Um, but uh, yeah, they didn't say anything about pricing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about that part of it. Yeah, I have a feeling it's not cheap. So, no. But, you know, I told you, you know, if you just base it on the size, it's probably going to be a lot less expensive, right? Because it's, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, about a third the size. <laughs> but uh, but along with that, and, and they didn't really um, go into much detail uh, of that, but uh, other than to let us know, hey, something uh, new and, and a drastic change is is going to be introduced or going to um, hit the market down the road. So that um, gives many of us that have been wondering about that Mac Pro uh, line a little bit of comfort knowing that that's going to continue on because there had been concern that that was just going to die on the vine. But um, So so they've, they've thrown that out for us to uh, have a little bit of comfort level and feeling about um but in addition to that uh, and i didn't catch this at the time but um they are planning on releasing a new version of the final cut pro uh software uh when they bring out the new mac pro so um that's another uh an area that they've apple's kind of stumped their toe on a bit um in the past uh year or two they made a drastic change to that software Sweet and um, but um, you know maybe they're going to be introducing or going to be adding some of the features that they uh, pulled out when they made the uh, the change to Final Cut Pro X. So um, uh, there'll be plenty of new capabilities with that new Mac Pro, and uh, you know hopefully they'll be able to support the uh, 1080p uh, video editing and output that the Mac Pro is, is going to allow for. So there's a number of things that the hardware is going to uh, enable that I imagine um, Final Cut Pro X is going to um, take advantage of. So, so that's well, I think I think I, need a, I think I have a good excuse, uh, Bill. I think I'll just get a Mac Pro along with the Final Cut to Pro X uh, new version when it comes out and uh, put it for our yearbook staff and our artisan staff and some others to utilize. Absolutely. And you're going to need. You can come teach. And you can come teach how to do it. Yeah, I was just going to say you're going to need some training on that. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. So, uh, that gives me an excuse to get the same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you got to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there have been a lot of complaints over the Final Cut Pro X, and um, they have they have added things back in, but um, maybe this is a sign that they're going to really um, bring it back up to the level that it was um, originally. But uh, along with that, um, and they've got, a, got an opportunity there, I think, because uh, Adobe recently has mentioned that their Creative Suite uh, software, which is is kind of the competing, uh, one of the major uh, competitors to Final Cut Pro X. Um, and and they've, inter- or they've announced that they're basically taking that software, the, the Creative Suite software, into the cloud. So it's no longer going to be a uh, software that you load on your machine, you buy it and you load it, and um, you know then you can use it as long as you want. Uh, Adobe's kind of introducing this, um, pay-as-you-go model so that you don't really own the software. You rent it, and um, as long as you're paying for it, you get to use it. But, you know, that's uh, – and it's not not inexpensive either. I think it's 
maybe fifty dollars a month or something to yeah. um, to use that. So you know, Apple they lost some credibility, and I think they they lost me as a user of Final Cut uh, when they went to the Pro X um, uh, scenario. And I went to Adobe, but I'm wondering now if you know it's going to swing back the other way again, just as uh, as things have been changing. And I think a number of folks have are a little bit frustrated with the the uh, tact that Adobe is taking now. So um, yeah, there's there's no end game on that. I mean, you just keep paying constantly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's not a particularly good investment. It's like renting versus buying a home. Right. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, or leasing a car versus buying it. In the in the in the final analysis, the consumer does not end up with a better value. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And and um, Maybe for businesses they can justify it, but I think for you know the consumer um, and the home home user, that's just not really gonna gonna fly. Um, and uh, I think they're gonna get some uh, major resistance on that. But um, so all that to say is, I believe Apple does have a a, uh, a good opportunity to pull back some of that market share uh, if they you know, reintroduce some of the old features and uh, uh, exactly how they're going to handle all that. I don't know, but uh, there, there are some, uh, there is some potential there. So I hope, hope we see some good things on that front. Um, but I guess that is going to be, uh, I don't know. Did they say that that Mac pro was going to be introduced this year? Yeah. They said this fall, this fall too. So, yeah. okay. And you know, yeah. I'm guessing clearly, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if this isn't a precursor to, uh, uh, either retina or 4k monitors coming out as mm-hmm. well. Right. That would just seem to fit the Mac pro for one thing. Sure. And it may be a precursor even for if some, assuming an Apple TV is coming out at some point, right. uh, that includes a monitor with it. So, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, well, moving on, we've uh, this is in my very interesting category uh, of of news this week. And um, do you you utilize AT and T, Barrett? Is that oh, yes. Provider? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, did, did you notice the um, uh, carrier update message you got this month? I did. I did, and it, and it is on my phone. So yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have any idea what that was all about? Yes, I had read something about it six months ago or so. Oh, okay. So, yes, I, I was aware of it. Well, it caught me a little bit by surprise. I hadn't seen anything about it. But, um, you know, basically it it has to do with their uh, wireless emergency alerts. And, uh, you know, it sounds good in terms of uh, this is a service that's being provided to um, you know, alert us to physical threats like earthquakes and tornadoes and even man-made disasters, uh, as well as amber alerts um, would be pushed out to our phones, and then also presidential alerts. And I'm not exactly sure what a presidential alert is going to be uh, or what kind of messages those might be, but um, you know, vote vote for me. Uh, yeah, could be, could be, or, or maybe even some subliminal messages. I don't know. Uh, but to me, the uh, real interesting part of this whole thing is that uh, you have the capability of turning off the um, the physical threat alerts and the amber alerts, but there is no option to turn off the presidential alert. So you don't have any control over that, and whether you like it or not, um, 
whenever and whatever a presidential alert is pushed down to your phone, uh, you get it. So, you know, I, that. Well, have we ever received a presidential alert? I mean, what no. would constitute a presidential alert? Well, that's. Besides nuclear war, or, I mean, but. No, that, that's a good question. I mean, you know, wars and that type of thing, I would think, would be. You know, the man-made disasters and threats. Mm. Um, so the presidential alert, that's just kind of the way I view it is it's just kind of snuck in there on us. And I'm sure most people have no clue that it's even uh, there. But, you know, the fact that we don't have any control over it um, just kind of rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and mm. it's just kind of a uh, an indication of other things um, related to... Uh, to our government these days and i just think it sends sends the wrong message you know you're talking about messages and what's being sent um you know if you really boil it down and and look at it look at all the angles of it it just uh you know if for no uh, nothing else they ought to allow you to be able to turn it off and on because not being able to do that just um kind of gives an indication of other things and uh well, here's what's interesting. I'm just googled this uh, here. I don't uh, for the Washington Post, and basically, a presidential alert is a broadcast warning uh, that might be issued in the event of a serious natural disaster or terrorism threat. So at least that's how they're describing it. Right. So. Well, yeah, and that's what I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as far as you know, how it yeah is being. Um, uh, told to us anyway, but you know, again, okay, well, what's what's the difference uh, between that and a earthquake or a tornado? Mm-hmm. You know, again, you would think you could turn that off and on, um, but the fact that that it just kind of jumps out as um, odd, and uh, if you're gonna gonna give those kind of options for two of those messages uh, and not the other, um, I just I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's just uh, uh, an indication of other things that are going on, and it doesn't uh, doesn't sit well with me. I'll put well, they, they want to make sure NSA can get into your phone, I guess. Mm, yeah, well, that's that's uh, the the unseen things yeah. that are going on, and that's a whole other yep. subject um, that uh, gets down to the real nitty gritty and technical things. Um, I don't know if that would be subject matter for our discussion <laughs> down not. the road or not. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> pretty low-level stuff. It's, it is interesting, but, um, uh, you know, I don't like to get <laughs> get off on that rabbit trail because um, bad things tend <laughs> to surface in my mind when I start thinking about all that. But um, so, so that was uh, in my very interesting category. And then... Um, uh, just to lighten things up a little bit, uh, and this is an update in my fun category on our, our Kickstarter uh, that we talked a little bit about last time. The the Spin Pod um, is a Kickstarter project and campaign that's going on right now, and that has to do with um, uh, being able, a little device that allows you to um, uh, take panoramic and uh, time-lapse type photography very well. It's a device that will uh, handle all of the movement and uh, scanning and and control that precisely so you don't have to do that. Um, And I did go ahead and and kick in 
a donation to that, Barrett. So I'm I'm in on that Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, um, and I think they're going to make it because they, um, uh, with less than two weeks to go, uh, they're at at sixty five thousand, and they are they're only ten thousand away from their their make of seventy five thousand. So I think they're going to get there, and. Uh, in fact, the reason I, I brought, bring it back up this week is they've uh, also added another little gizmo to the mix, and it's a little dolly system. So, um, you know, not only will they be able to do uh, panoramic um, on a on a single axis where it just rotates uh, within the axis of the iPhone, but this little dolly system allows it to also uh, be attached to something that looks kind of like a, a roller skate without the, the, the shoe on it. So mm-hmm. it's just a little four wheeled, uh, you know, platform that they can attach this, uh, spin pod to and, and the spin pod actually rotates, you know, when it's doing a, a panoramic view. So they've got it, uh, mounted on this, uh, dolly such that, uh, the spin pod actually moves and it's, um, positioned right on top of one of the wheels of the dolly. So it actually is providing the uh, mechanism <laughs> to move the dolly in a very slow, methodical uh, way so that it um, takes the uh, the images um, uh, from the dolly as it moves. So, you know, it's just simple stuff, but to me it, it, it's some devices that uh you know can be very useful and and really do a nice job when it comes to uh panoramic and time lapse type photography and just playing around with it and you know not having to spend a lot of money on it so um uh, i think they just in fact when i first looked at it they didn't have any information about this dolly system online so uh, i think that's just been added and they say uh for an additional $75, you can uh, <laughs> kick in on the dolly system, and that would be uh, provided to you when they get all that uh, uh, rolled out. So anyway, just kind of a, a fun little um, uh, piece of equipment that uh, folks may be interested in. And again, it's called the Spin Pod. And uh, if you're into those panoramic and time-lapse type photography, you might be uh be uh, interested in this uh, gizmo so anyway that's uh that's what we've got there um moving on and uh we we probably need to hit this kind of quickly um as we've we've already talked about a lot of stuff we're coming up on an hour here but um i thought we would spend just a little bit of time talking about our work and the announcement that was made related to uh, the changes that they're making there. I work in the cloud, and uh, I think that might have caught some people by surprise, the announcement that they've made uh, at WWDC, and there didn't seem to be a whole lot of excitement around it, and I think there may be several reasons for that. One um, is that people were expecting a little different uh, announcement related to iWork. We've talked before about that suite of uh, tools and software uh, needing a a major overhaul as it's been, I think, about four years or so since anything's happened with that software of any significance. But um, what they really were talking about more uh, is this uh, I work in the cloud type approach. So basically it's a way to 
um, you know, get to your pages and numbers and keynote applications just straight through a browser, which uh, obviously they would want you to use Safari as the browser, but it also works uh, within uh, uh, IE, um, Internet Explorer, and maybe some of the other browsers. But the reason for that and the real impetus, I believe, for this whole uh, approach is to allow folks that uh, either using PC as well as a Mac or maybe even just a PC to have access to those tools. And so uh, I think the real power is if you work part day on a Mac and part day on a PC, you can access those documents, those uh, uh, iWork documents from either place. And that hadn't been uh, available in the past. So they're really open, opening up a whole new um, window into the PC world when it comes to these applications. Um, so um, I was going to throw that out. And, and Barrett, I know you've really been uh, interested in this whole iWork upgrades and updates. And so uh, I was curious what your um, insights were on all this. Well, couple things very briefly. One, I was delighted to see that they're in the process of updating iWorks. Uh, they're starting with the cloud, but it looks like this fall, if I understood the announcement correctly, they'll be doing uh, the suite update of some sort as well uh, this right. coming fall, and so I'm looking forward to that. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, one of the things that really caught my eye about this is the fact that right now, of course, our students have the iPads, and many of them will go home and probably not have a Mac at home. Uh, their parents have a, you know, a PC or they have an older PC, what have you. Uh, and the advantage to this is if a student needs more of the power and flexibility or just likes working on a, la- on, a, on, a, on a PC rather than on an iPad to develop the various documents, he or she will be able to go home, continue their assignment, whatever it is they're working on uh, through the iWork suite using the iCloud, using a regular PC if necessary. They open up the iPad at school, and it's all there. And uh, so I can see significant benefits uh, to many of our students uh, doing that. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. And and like I said, it really just kind of breaks down the the barrier between Windows and Mac users. So, uh that opens up a lot of a lot of possibilities and and uh capabilities um from from the educational side just like you're saying as well. And um and I do think they did they they definitely said that um the iWork suite is going to be updated uh later this year. Um but they didn't give a whole lot of other uh, details around that. But um, and and that's probably why there wasn't more excitement around around this. But I really think um, there is a lot to this, and and it does bear some real um, understanding of of how it can um, add to our options. And um, I think it will be a big big deal. Now we don't know how it's going to. Uh, be from a collaboration standpoint, um, you know, Google Docs is a, a great mm-hmm. uh, service to be able to collaborate with others, um, both, uh, you know, uh, at different times as well as uh, simultaneously uh, and being able to access and, and make updates to Docs um, at the same time. And so that's that's kind of a tricky proposition, and uh, it's not as easy as some people may think to actually enable those features but uh that would be nice to see i work uh, incorporate those kind of um 
collaborative uh, pieces as well. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that'd be great. But I don't think Apple has the experience and has not been known uh, for their cloud computing expertise uh, up to this point. They're they're getting there, but that, that's relatively new, I think, for them. I agree, and it, it probably would not be a, a first version feature because, mm-hmm. like I say, it is. Uh, you can uh, foul things up real quickly if you know, don't know what you're doing um, when it comes to collaborating on documents and uh, having multiple people accessing uh, all that at the same time. So um, that might be coming down the road. But, yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't know if we'll be seeing that uh, on a first release here. So um, now did did uh, what was the time frame on that? Is that, again, a fall fall thing or – uh, I don't know if that might be available uh, uh, early on. For what? On. For what? The the, uh, the iWork in the cloud. Uh, my understanding was that was this fall as well. I mean, I think okay. a lot of this stuff's coming out with a the fall. Then they're going to have – my prediction is, of course, they'll have a lot of new stuff uh, with the 5S and other things that are coming out. So I think I think they have quite a bit in their hip pocket that they're not talking about uh, because if you recall, Tim Cook made a point recently of saying – that they have a whole pipeline full of stuff beginning this fall and into next year. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just barely seeing uh, maybe the beginnings of, of what they intend to, to release over the next, oh, I don't know, 16, 18 months, wouldn't you think? Right. Yeah, I think so. And, and one thing to keep in mind, WWDC is really geared towards developers. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So, you know, the main focus of, of that conference is to get developers uh, working on the new iOS and the new uh, software and the the software development kits they release uh, during the conference so those guys can um, you know begin creating for the new releases so that when those uh, that that OS does hit the market we've got some third-party apps ready to go so yeah um, you know they Apple takes advantage of it and uh, giving us some sneak peeks into other things, but um, you know that's really not uh, the venue for all of these other announcements that, uh, like you say, they have in their their back pocket and and uh, are going to spring on us at some point here. But um, yeah, I guess I guess all of this was fall and future, and they've got a lot to work on. Um, obviously, there's a lot in the pipeline, mm-hmm. so. Um, I hope they can uh, can meet some of these time frames because I know people are starting to get a little bit antsy and want to get their hands on this stuff. Um, so uh, anyway, and then as I mentioned uh, for for future podcasts, obviously we don't have real much time to uh, go further with with any of these topics. But um, Mavericks and iRadio were were pretty big announcements. The Mavericks is the um, OSX new version that they'll be uh, springing on us in the fall, and then I, the iRadio piece. A lot has been talked about there, and what uh, that's gonna gonna look like. <clears throat> and so, I didn't really want to get into that much, but I thought um, we could at least throw out one thing that kind of caught our attention from those announcements. And for me. Mavericks was uh, the, the multiple display support, which uh, OSX has had, but they really haven't done a, a very good job with it, and it definitely needed some uh, updates. But the um, in addition to the multiple display support, uh, I, I really liked what they said about the Apple TV being included. And I guess I like that because I've got my, 
my two monitors set up here and then a, an Apple TV right next to it. So I got three monitors that I would be able to uh, to use, and the, my Apple TV would be the, the third one that um, I could turn on and, and hook up to uh, Mavericks. And uh, I thought that was kind of a neat feature that um, they have uh, uh, introduced or going to be introducing with Mavericks. So that was... Uh, what I, I kind of one of the first things I thought about uh, related to that, and then for iRadio, um, I had uh, uh, we really didn't know exactly how that was going to be rolled out, other than we knew that that advertisements were going to be part of it because it was uh, supposed to be a free service, and, and ads were one of the ways they were going to um, address funding that or, or being able to pay, but. Um, for iMatch subscribers, they said it was going to be uh, free with no advertisements. So that really uh, caught my attention and, and sounded like it would really work well. And, and if you, you are an iMatch subscriber, which I think is, what, $25 a year, um, you won't have any advertisements with, with your iRadio. So, um, which, which really is pretty nice. I mean, it's a value add again at no additional cost to to those who are uh, match users. Exactly, exactly. So, oh. so um, that uh, I, I guess it's going to be real similar to the, the Pandora experience, um, but it'll be integrated into uh, the, the OS. So that's really where the power comes. I think the fact that it's integrated and Apple already has your um your apple id and your password and your credit card on file so um as far as buying uh new tracks it's very simple and that's where the real uh advantage is going to come in uh at least to apple and and iradio and your your record companies because um the idea is to sell more tracks so and I'm sure I will contribute to that. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Making it so easy that it's hard to resist. Uh, and even if you're not careful, you you buy one when you didn't even realize it. So that's right. <laughs> but, oh goodness. So what about you, Barrett? Anything uh, jump well, nothing, out at you? Yeah, n- nothing specific to iRadio just yet. But uh, for Mavericks, yes. The thing, uh, two things caught my mind, uh, my eye in particular. One was the ability to tag documents with one or more tags. Uh, I use that pretty extensively in my Evernote apps and some other things, and I think that will streamline and speed up uh, your ability to search and find what you're looking for. So uh, I think that's a great addition. And then uh, related to that is uh, the addition of tabbing in the Finder itself, right. much like you have tabs on your Safari browser or your Chrome browser. So I think those two things basically will make the system a function more efficiently and make it much easier to find what it is you're looking for. Yeah, I agree, and and those are you know just a couple of of additions, but I think the the power that they add is uh, is going to be very useful and, and valuable, and uh, make your Finder experience a uh, a whole lot different than what it is today. And and I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be some other features that they hadn't told us about related to Finder that's. Uh, going to help out that much more so or, or even to mavericks uh, so yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly so uh, anyway well okay well i'm gonna i think what we'll do uh barrett is we will just kind of hold our our app picks and followings till next time since um we've already covered a lot of territory and uh 
we're getting a little bit long here. So um, we'll just wrap it up, and we'll save those picks for next time. But uh, go ahead and wrap up for this episode. And um, we like to uh, just thank our listeners for um, hanging with us, and uh, hopefully you found this uh, podcast of value and get some uh, information out of it that you can use in your your everyday life. Um, but uh just so you remember, uh, don't forget to, to follow us on the Internet, and you can find me on Twitter at Bill Brazil. That's uh, B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L, and uh, also the website is BillBrazil.com. So you can look us up there. You can find all our uh, uh, podcast information and our show notes there on the web. And uh, Barrett, where can we find you? Yes, uh, our listeners can follow me on Twitter at B Mossbacker. That's B M O S B A C K E R, uh, and uh, they may find interest uh, in my blog, the Christian School Journal. It's actually ChristianSchoolJournal.com. All right. Well, again, uh, thank y'all for listening in, and uh, be sure to tell your friends and uh, watch for our next episode. And we should be back. Uh, with a new episode in a couple of weeks. So uh, until then, so long for now, and we'll catch you next time.